This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And welcome to another episode of the Oak Road Hatter podcast. As always, I'm joined by Stephen Day over on Zoom. And I think it's fair to say, Stephen, that we're both still, still feeling the effects of Tuesday night's disappointment. Yeah, um, there's no words for it, really. Like, like You could see it happening from a mile off in the last few minutes of the game, but still, still hurts. And to think we were probably 20 seconds away from a much brighter episode today. But, you know, the, the show must go on. And here is what we've exactly. got today. We firstly delve into Saturday's loss to Stoke and the draw with Millwall before discussing our midfield situation and how we both would like to see us line up in the next few games. We also are going to go through the reduced three polls of the week and preview a big game at home to Sheffield Wednesday this Saturday. We're going to have to start with it mostly because it comes first in the running order, but... Were you lucky enough to miss Saturday's game against Stoke, Stephen? Yes, I had to attend a work meeting, so I had, I had to miss it. And I can't say I'm too disappointed that I missed it. You're lucky, man. You're lucky, man. I'm very jealous of you because I usually, I've, I've, recently I've been covering um, our, our Luton games for various different websites, but it's the first time in a while where I've got the opportunity to sort of miss it. And I didn't have to write about it. So I thought I'd try and have some sort of an away day where I was relaxing, having a few beers and just actually getting excited for a game for the first time in a while. But it just turned out to be a game like a game from last season. One of the yeah. poor away days that Graham Jones typically led last season. Yeah, I've I've got no words for it. I didn't see it. I didn't follow any coverage from it. I, I listened to TalkSport on the way home their game day live and I mean it didn't sound too bad half the time but when when they were talking about it it was just it was just when the goals came in and it just did sound exactly like how we played under Graham Jones it was just silly things here and there I was just like great that's good but glad I didn't watch it still the, the worst part about it was 
that sometimes yeah we won possession back and we've done a little bit good work to retain possession but it, we gave the ball away so easy there's sort of this the usual lot just yeah continuing to give the ball away and it at the end of the day that's that's why they had so many opportunities because we would carelessly give the ball away they'd turn yeah. us around and that was just the story of the game yeah and it seems it seems like Stoke loves to play us because we just we just sort of roll over for them really at home we're a little bit better than that but away away from home at Stoke last season it was the same there was another 3-0 loss I believe and it just we just rolled over and let them do what they wanted really yeah, last season's game was equally as bad because me living up in Liverpool, I sort of got the train there and then didn't realise there was no trains running back from past 10 o'clock. So I just sprint <laughs> to the train station, luckily just made it, but well, at least I got to leave that early, to be fair. Uh, yeah. Never usually do, but at least I got away from that. And then Tuesday's game, we obviously changed it up. And for the most part of the match, we dominated and informed Millwall side. Yeah, it, it was it was a good performance. Happy with the performance, just not happy with the outcome of the game. Yeah, as you say, it was heartbreaking in the way that we conceded that last goal. And well, it was basically the way we conceded it with, as I said before, Matt Smith coming off the bench. And you just know with him, there's something about him that we do not like. Yeah, well, it's it's the sort. It's, it reminds me of the conference days and just those bigger teams in League Two, League One, that we just don't play well against them at all. And the way the way we tried to time waste, just it it got to me so much. So I was thinking, if we start trying to time waste and game manage, we're we're not actually going to manage the game at all. We're going to give Millwall a chance to get into it because. I love our players, but we haven't got the strength to keep the ball away from from bigger players. We haven't got the strength to beat them in the air. Like Adebayo did it very well last night, but he came off for uh, Collins, and I just thought, why would you bring on a player that plays well in the air for for someone that does do very well defensively? But I think time and time again, like if you hoof the ball up to Collins, he's not going to win the headers. He never wins the headers. You get like maybe once or once or twice a game that he'll win a header or or get the ball down on his chest and all that. But other than that, like I think Adebayo had to stay on the pitch really to win those sort of headers in defence, and it was a big mistake in my opinion. And I think it was a refresh refreshing change in the end because Adebayo had a had a really good game, really good uh, full debut. Yeah, I mean all the players that came in. That came in for the squad on Saturday that changed it. Um, I thought they all played brilliantly. I, I I can't think of any players that I thought had a really bad game. We we played how I sort of expected, you know, not too many chances, but we took our chances. Well, took a chance. Um, like I was hoping we would do, and like how we typically usually do. So yeah, I was pretty happy with that. Just just the little things that, you know, we're not we're not Wickham. We can't do game management in the last few minutes of a game. We're we're not that team. Well, the worst part about that was that it started in the 85th minute. And there was six minutes added on, which means I think it started earlier than that, really. I remember I remember 80th minute, if if yeah. not even 70th minute, like we were we were starting to 
to get a little bit complacent and put the ball into a place that we didn't need to, really. I just thought that was a big disappointment. There was a time a time that I, I won't forget now because obviously we went on to concede, but when Cornick got in behind, done really well to get in behind, then he just checks back and heads for the corner flag when we had three. Oh, I know. I know. It was often we went down that, that right-hand side up to the corner flag, like under the David Priest stand, and we just... We, we ran there and expected to sort of keep the ball and keep a hold of the game. But every time we did it, I just thought we just set ourselves up to to shoot ourselves in the foot, really. And we did. And then that so the game and, and Saturday got me thinking about our midfield situation. And when I started to think about it, it was, it was just after the Stoke game. And I was thinking we need to freshen this up. So ultimately, we got we got that answered uh, on Tuesday. We saw Morel and Tony Cliff come in for Ray and Pelly. And yeah. How good was that to see? I think it was brilliant. Obviously, Tony Cliff, I'm not his biggest fan, and I don't think a lot of Luton fans are. But I think he he did okay. And Morel, he didn't like he was off the pace a little bit, but it's sort of expected for a player that's been out of the team for a while. And I think he he looked brilliant. For me, I thought he's a sort of player that we need in there with with um, Dewsbury Hall and alongside Pelly or Ray. I, I wouldn't want to see him be put into the team against Ray. I'd rather have him play alongside Ray. And he looked he looked brilliant last night, in my opinion. Well, what you're saying about Tony Cliff there, I, I do sort of agree. But at the same time, I think when he's been called upon this season. He keeps things simple. He keeps things ticking over, and he's he's one of those players that doesn't give the ball away as much. Which I yeah, think that's that's the thing. I'm not I'm not too upset with his performance. I thought I thought he played pretty well, and I think it's just sometimes his uh, decision making can be a bit lacking, and he's not so much of a he's an aggressive player, and he does progress. But it's it's I think it's just the lacks a bit of quality really that like you'd expect from like Pelly or or Berry or someone else to sort of like really create a chance where where Tanakhlef is sort of just your box-to-box midfielder that sort of can get lost in the game sometimes. But I think he did all right. And with with the way we're playing, we're, we're usually playing with a holder midfielder and then two just ahead of whoever's holding. I think that's something that's working. I do like having yeah. that. And Going back to Ray, I've been quite critical of him recently, but I'm pretty sure I saw a stat that said that he's within the top 10 players who's made the most interceptions this season in the championship, which yeah, very, very good accolade. Then on the other hand, I saw a stat that said that he's probably in the, I think he's in like the, the bottom 10 for completed passes. Yeah, which is... Which is the side of his game that you sort of need to have in the championship is a lot better than what it is, which can't say that he's one of the worst players in the team because obviously we love him and he's he's brilliant. Going back, just going forward, it's a bit of a problem. He's just having a bit of a difficult time at the moment and we've seen that. In, he's quite confidence-based, I think. I think sometimes he has a really good run of, uh, run of games and then suddenly he's flung in at centre-back and then he's moved back to holding yeah. the and it's, it disrupts his game really exactly I think I've always said it since since we had him like when he first joined in League 2 he, he shouldn't be 
in the back four. He needs to be in front of the back four because he's got a few mistakes in him that he needs people behind him to uh, to recover, really. And he's, he's good at recovering as well. It's just you don't get that time if you if you give it away from the back four. If you give it away in front of the back four, you can sort of make up for it. But if he's in the back four and he makes a mistake, it's almost 100% going to be a goal. Like Almost every time it will be a goal. And the one player that remained in that midfield was obviously Dewsbury Hall. Yeah. And I know some people are not going to like this, but that's now four games, I, I personally believe, that he has not been up, up to up to the yeah. level we expect of him. And I know and I'm not call- saying to change it, but I think he's getting a lot of credit where other players would be more scrutinised. Yeah, I think, to be honest, I think you can sort of see how he's not played well recently and we've not played well either recently. Like, it sort of coincides. But you've got Dewsbury Hall that's not up to speed and we're not really doing much in games. Um, I remember hearing on TalkSport that people were saying, like the, the commentators were saying that Dewsbury Hall was normally brilliant, was just completely off the pace. And I think he has been recently. Maybe he needs a rest. Maybe he needs to kick up the backside. I don't know what, but something needs to change with him at the moment because we sort of rely on him for for goals. I know that I sort of said that we shouldn't need to, like in a previous podcast, but sort of, a, sort of how it is really, isn't it? Yeah. With him playing worse, we're playing worse. And with... Well, we can't forget he has been exceptional for the most part of the season. But as you say, maybe resting him because he has been such an integral part since since he joined. I don't remember too many games that, that he's missed. And he usually usually plays the full 90, don't he? He usually gets yeah. up to 75 minutes, whereas we've seen Morel axed after 55 minutes yesterday. So he's usually yeah. a player that if he's on, he will stay on. Yeah. Exactly, and I think that's where he might need a break for a little while. Maybe, maybe have him as a a game changer rather than a starter for the next week or two. Because if he's off the pace, we're off the pace, sort of thing. Yeah, and with that, we um, we started the polls this week with five down to three because I think it's getting a lot more difficult to ask ask the questions. Yeah. Um, five questions each week reacting on sort of two games is is quite difficult because exactly. the majority of stuff is already talked about on Twitter anyway. So yeah, we're trying to find different angles. And the first one we thought of was about Shinny permanently leaving during last week, who was brilliant for us, brilliant servant to the club. And I think you could tell by the, the words Nathan Jones spoke of him, how valued he was in the team yeah he was brilliant and I'm going to miss him and I think I said as well like previously that I think I think we he was one of those players that we were polling about have we seen in his last like Luton shirt and I was hoping it wasn't but the reality was it was likely and it's shown now because he's obviously gone so um, I'm so disappointed to see him go but it's the best thing for him because he's doing well at Charlton so there's no reason to take him away from there and play play him maybe 10-15 games a season whereas at Charlton he's finishing his career on a high sort of thing and hopefully he stays there and does finish it on high 
well, he, he was supposed to be there for the whole season. Then that's when we imagined they'd make the deal permanent. But obviously, they've they've made it permanent a lot quicker, which yeah, it, it demonstrates that he is a brilliant player in the in League One. That they've wanted to tie up this deal as soon as possible. Yeah. So for our poll, we basically looked at his impact during the 2018-2019 promotion winning season up against the two two fullbacks that again were superb. And personally, I thought Shinny was was our player of the season and just pipping Stacey, but it turned out that I was yeah. quite quite in the minority there because he only won 13% of the votes with 51% going to Stacey and 32% going for Justin. And then the remaining yeah. was other. And that that you've got to consider there, Colin scored 25 goals that season. He was yeah. the top, top goal scorer in the division. And we've got three players there who were outstanding and were rightly deserved the vote. So for Collins. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with the polls. I, I would say Stacey and Justin were, in my opinion, the best players. And then I'd maybe say Collins and then Shinny because um, obviously Shinny was brilliant at those, you know, the assist, the assist and, he was brilliant. I just think the performers, the performances from Stacey, Justin, Collins, everyone was just brilliant. And I think, in my opinion, they probably tipped it ahead of him. But it doesn't surprise me that he was third in the in the vote. So yeah, and it, it does show that he was that everyone was brilliant that season, considering that Collins scored twenty five goals. And you know, he's not thought of as the best player of the season. Yeah, and that's that's a credit to the the three mentions because to score 20, 25 goals is brilliant. And then the second one I put out on a Monday, and I thought, you know what, the mood is already gloomy, so why don't I add to this? Uh, yeah, I just put down three games that I'm pretty sure nobody ever wished would be mentioned again, but we got a result out of it. Um, so yeah, the, the poll was to uh, find out what people thought was the worst game in recent memory, and the York playoff final received forty-seven percent of the votes. Wimbledon, yeah. also the the conference playoff final, received thirty percent, and then Blackpool, which was the playoff semi-final in League Two, received twenty-two percent, with only one percent on other. And I think. Putting that question out, I think it probably reminded everyone, as, as well as ourselves, how much we dislike the playoffs. I, I, I do agree with the polls as well. It, yeah, <laughs> I'm stuck for words with it, really, because I'm remembering all of it, and I'm just like thinking that like, it, was, it was bloody awful, all of that. But I think most most things in that sort of like six-year period of, of games that in the conference and then the... The playoffs in League Two, six or seven years, yeah. I think both both your playoff things were awful, and I think I'm trying to think of what was most heartbreaking for me, and I think it was probably the the Wimbledon one for me, really, because I thought I thought that was it. I thought we were up then, like the Jason Walker goal, the penalties. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't do that again. I couldn't travel to Manchester on a bloody coach. Without alcohol, because <laughs> obviously I was only 
Yeah, we only bought 13 at the time, I think, and I couldn't do that again. And the the coach ride home was awful because our coach broke, uh, like the suspension broke. So um, it was it was a very bumpy ride home, and I think just everything about that day was awful. The thing is that that's probably what's made it worse because Wembley is now our back, and that's that's fine. But yeah. four hours coming back from Manchester with a bus full of people who just don't want to be there. Yeah. So, so silent. And as a kid as well, you're thinking like, oh, come on, is it somebody do something to make me make me yeah. no, no one. I mean, the game the game was also shit as well. Yeah. Not yeah. my language, but yeah. Well, that <laughs> yeah. just means um that just means I have to uh, untick this is made for kids now <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> that's that's the only uh, difference it makes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just um just a whole day of the uh, Wimbledon game, just awful. Like the game was awful. The penalties are just. I, I, other other than that, I I wouldn't mind going to penalty shootouts often. Like they're fine for me, but that game was just I just couldn't believe it. Almost as if we were made to lose because of everything that had gone on during the game. Yeah. The just just the Jason Walker open goal, well open goal, the the hit in the post from the header. I think having that like pulled away from you from that from that just just a millimeter inside the post and that was in, or if he hadn't have gone for the Penenka penalty, just just so many those little margins that just that's the heartbreaking thing for me is that like if if it had just been a little bit that tiny bit different. It, it would have been different and we were up. But at the same time, I don't think about these things and complain about them anymore because we are where we are now and we were on that journey and it's taken us to here and maybe we would have been too early going up if it had happened and maybe we would have come back down or we wouldn't have built a, a brilliant thing or maybe Nathan Jones wouldn't have come in and we would have been like your typical League One, League Two side. Yeah, and as you say, if we had have gone up then we might not have got John Still a couple of seasons later and then mm. Nathan Jones may have not taken over so it's all it's character building at the end of the day it's yeah exactly shaped our experience of the last sort of 15 years and makes our story even more incredible yeah it does and then I don't know why we haven't got a Netflix or Amazon documentary about us because <laughs> I was thinking in League One, like if they're going to do a documentary about anyone, it should be about us. Oh, it'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? It'd be un- un- unbelievable. But the thing is, they just wouldn't have the footage from from back then. If if they had the footage from back then, I'd been. Yeah, well, we don't know what what Luton have got stored in their files and everything, so you <laughs> yeah, never know. Yeah. And then the third poll we we tweeted out was sort of the situation we're in with Lockyer and Pearson both out. We asked, were we naive not to add a central defender or do we have enough options as it was? And as a third option, I put, should we have kept Osho? Not didn't really expect too many people to go with that because I thought that was part of the progression. But it turns out 54% of people opted that we should have kept Osho. And then 33% said that we had enough options already with the remaining 13% 
say, and that we should have signed another centre-back. Is that kind of the way you expected things to pan out? Yeah, I think so, because obviously we're now in a bit of a sticky situation with the central defenders. I think sending Osho out on loan was a big mistake, and I can see why people are saying it as well. Yeah, I think maybe maybe having signed another centre-back, maybe a younger centre-back for the future, which kind of is what Osho is. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe another one, maybe a younger one would have been a, a, a good choice to someone that's young and hungry for football. But really, we shouldn't have sent Osho out on loan. And it was quite timely, this feature, uh, this poll, sorry, because afterwards... Um, wrote a feature about Lockyer and it sort of made me quite content of our future and when Osho does come back he'll have a central defensive partner in Lockyer who's only 26 himself who will be able to learn a lot from him and still probably have Bradley and Pearson still within the side who have also got the experience now so I think it's definitely a good position to be in and the fact that he's in League One and not not League Two or or where he started the season in the National League means he's that one step closer to to becoming a regular next season. Yeah, I'm I'm not too worried about our defensive shape for the future. Maybe maybe for fullbacks, I'm a little bit like worried, but other than that, I'm not too worried. I agree with you there, really. With that as well, I, I tweeted the feature out that I did on Lockyer and. Um, we also seen the podcast as well that involved um, Tom Lockyer and I didn't actually, yeah. well, I haven't actually watched it yet, but you, you'd you seen it and you you shared it on. So how, yeah. what was that? And, and what did they talk about? Um, so him and oh, I can't remember, I think his name's Kyle and this guy um, that runs a podcast called the mental world balling podcast. <laughs> Uh, on words. Um, yeah, they, they spoke about um, mental health issues, sort of like not toxic masculinity as a whole, but they sort of like talked about like how like stuff is in football and and Lockie's upbringing and all that and his, his time at uh, Bristol Rovers, Cardiff and Charlton. And yeah, it was really insightful into Lockie's like journey to Luton and it was a brilliant podcast, in my opinion. I loved it. And it was nice to hear one of our players talk about mental health issues as well, because it's obviously a huge, it was a huge thing before coronavirus. And now that we've spent a year in lockdowns, it's it's even more prominent. And it's just really nice to hear that. And yeah, I just thought it was well worth reiterating that um, like what Tom said about it's just okay to speak up about things. It's, you know, not a good thing to bottle up. Like, obviously, you don't have to tell everyone about it. You don't have to, if you don't want to, you, you don't have to share it to everyone and well for help. But if you've got, if you, if you are in a place where you need help, it's good to reach out to at least one or two people, if not more, because it only helps. Obviously, if you speak to the wrong people, then it might make, make things worse. But if you trust someone, then it's well worth talking about. Yeah, and it's it's a brilliant message, really, and sort of humanises Tom Lockyer, who we only see to be a footballer. It it shows another side to him, one that 
sort of makes it more approachable. Seems that he's going through the same things that any yeah. person would, which is a brilliant, brilliant message. Yeah, exactly. And he he mentioned his girlfriend as well. Like, and he, he said that his time at Charlton was a bit not the best because he um, moved from Bristol to to London and knew no one here. Um, also, I'll say here because I'm in London. <laughs> um, yeah, he knew no one and found it very lonely. And you know, and then mentioned that when he moved to Luton, he uh, brought his girlfriend with him, and they they found it very lonely. And you know, Tom Tom asked the other lads to like go out to dinner with uh, them and their girlfriends so his girlfriend could meet people. And it was it it very humanizing, really. That. You know, the way he talked about it, it was just sort of the same way as if uh, you moved house and moved jobs and moved up somewhere else and didn't know anyone. And it's just, you know, footballers go through the same sort of stuff that we do. Yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, as I say, a powerful message that shows what kind of power football has over people. And it shows that, yeah, as we say, it's it's something that we, we all go through and, yeah, br- brilliant podcast it sounds. And I'll, yeah, yeah. Sure I definitely check that out. And it that leads us on to Saturday, and we are now in a bit of a sticky position again. It's not quite a relegation scrap, but at the same time, we're playing Sheffield Wednesday, who are part of the bottom three, and we'll start treating games like this now as games that they feel they must win. So. Yeah. We mentioned before the Birmingham game and how brilliant our record was against these bottom 10 clubs. So how important is this for us? Have to win. It's a must-win game. All right. If we if we want to avoid being dragged into a even a relegation battle or a scrap for that last place of uh of the drop zone, like we need to avoid losing against teams that are below us. Obviously, I've got a brilliant record and I want to see it carry on as well. Even if it's a draw, we need to just not not lose against these teams because we, we can create a big problem for ourselves if we do. And we need to we need to start picking up points again. Obviously, yeah, we've, we've gone up and down. Yeah, away from home as well. We've gone up and down with what we've said that we were like, oh, we're in a bit of a state of And then we win and then I was like, oh, we're, we're in a lot better place now. We're we're quite close to the playoffs as as well as relegation, and it's not a bad place to be. And then since Stoke and Millwall, I'm I'm a, again feeling a little bit worried. So we're sort of yo-yoing with uh safety and relegation battles, and it's, it's it's interesting. But I'd love to just win and get a few wins under our belt, and just not have to worry and just think, ah, oh, we'll finish 14th at the end of the season and just have fun. <laughs> Because yeah, as you say, a win, a win on Saturday eliminates the the threat of relegation really until we go and, and lose the to air the next two games. It seems <laughs> yeah, like we exactly. can't get out of that cycle where we we show promise and we win a game and then next thing we're losing two and we're thinking, all right, we're we're getting dangerously close here again. So what inspires me is that the fact that against the bottom ten we're unbeaten in eleven games, which yeah. is brilliant. At the same time, you've got to think that some of the teams that are in the bottom 10 are starting to pick up wins, like starting to go on unbeaten runs, like Wayne Rooney and Derby are doing very well. And yeah, um, 
who else? There's other teams that are doing well as well. I think Sheffield Wednesday were on quite a quite a good run as well until they lost to um, Nottingham Forest. We've got Nottingham Forest coming up as well, and they're they're doing very well. And it's, there's there's three teams there that I worry could easily finish above us come the end of the season if we don't start picking up wins. The weird thing was Sheffield Wednesday this season. They got the, the points deducted. I think it was twelve at the start of the season, and yeah operated went through the first 15 games with minus 12 points and then upon review it was reduced to six points and it looked after that that they were getting out of the relegation zone but they're, they're still back in there lost their last yeah. two and one of the one of the interesting things was that they signed Izzy Brown yeah thought would have a really good season playing there with a, he created so many opportunities for us last year and helped Collins' goal tally massively. And I thought yeah. on a side that probably sees a bit more possession than we do. Well, definitely last season, not, not this season because of the way everything's gone. But he's only played 388 minutes of football, which is just just over four games. And you think the two, what the? two thirds of that were within the third, uh, first three games. I didn't realise that. Yeah. But, yeah. Really dodged the bullet, and I think things just been going wrong on Sheffield Wednesday as well. But I think I think I saw something that they were sort of on the rise of things. But yeah, it's it's weird to see that Izzy Brown has only got four up to like four games, and yeah, I think definitely upgraded to a Dewsbury Hall. And yeah, I, think... I was disappointed when he didn't come back, but I can't complain about it now. No, exactly that because he's as. As I said, we might have been a little bit critical of Dewsbury Hall today, but at the same time, he's the impact that he's made on the club is brilliant. He might be having a little bit of a dodgy spell, but more than makes up for it, doesn't he, for how good he's been for the, the yeah. majority of the season. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, I think that's just about it. And thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And we hope you enjoy the latest episode of the Oak Road Hats podcast. Yeah, thank you once again. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.